Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is season four episode, well it's going to be episode 158 and 159 of this daily study podcast. Uh, reason being is obviously those of you that follow daily with us uh, will notice that uh, we missed a week, uh, missed a day, not a week, uh, yesterday. Although I am thinking that uh, in the week ahead, we are just going to have to miss the entire week next week uh, because uh, we are going away. And I did have plans uh, to kind of record some episodes through this week to kind of build up the bank so that I could publish them out uh, during that week. But that's just not happened with various events and things that have happened, which have made it difficult to do so. Uh, so I'm thinking that next week, uh, you're not going to have any episodes from this podcast, which is going to be... Uh, well, the first time really ever that that has happened, but uh, we are going away uh, for a week. And whilst, um, you, you know, we have been away a couple of times since um, uh, since beginning this podcast, um, there's been opportunities for me to try and put these episodes out, but it's not going to happen this week. So, yeah, uh, that means that next week uh, you won't get any episodes so we're going to miss the book uh, Ruth and First Samuel one to three, which is a shame, um, because again some fantastic stories and uh, examples of people in those uh, chapters. But in verse, we'll, we'll finish off the book of Judges um, today. We'll do a a, lo- a longer episode to make up for yesterday, and then do an episode tomorrow as well, and then we'll uh, then I'll leave you for next week. But um. Judges, we were in chapter 7, and the Lord has just said to Gideon that he, there are too many um, um, people that to work against the Midianites, otherwise Israel are going to say that it was their power. Now, just to give a bit, bit of perspective here, in verse 3, it says, Now therefore go to, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. So there was 22,000 Israelites gathered together to fight against these Midianites. If you're not sure how many Midianites Midianites there were, there was 120,000. So if you kept the 22,000 that originally Gideon had gathered against the 120,000, that's around about five Midianites per Israelite, which, I mean, surely is not great odds. Um, But you can see, you know, how... It's possible they could have, with some very skilled fighters, been able to um, to overcome that battle. But yet, just the numbers were very much stacked against them, um, and that was still too many. That was too many that the Lord said, uh, and so then um, it reduces down to ten thousand. Um, again, bit of perspective here: if you've got ten thousand against those one hundred twenty thousand, you're looking at twelve uh, individuals per per. Israelites for them to deal with that's you know surely far too many um, for them but the Lord um, is still not happy with the 10,000 imagine Gideon's surprise when the Lord says the people are yet too many Um, he wants to work a real wonder and miracle in front of them President James E. Faust taught quote the Lord has a great work for each of us to do you may wonder how this can be you may feel that there is nothing special or superior about you or your ability um, you know, this is something which the Lord wants uh, to to show. Oh, close quote. Uh, the Lord wants to show, and I realise that uh, I shared some more of that quote um, a couple of days ago, but it is still a good one, reminding us about how the Lord will do marvellous works. Despite what we think of ourselves, 
He is the Lord. He is all-powerful. He can work mighty miracles in our lives no matter what we think we are or how little we think we are. And here the Lord wants to bring Israel even smaller. So the Lord tells him to go uh, to the water and he will um, bring certain people forward. In verse 5 it says, So he brought down the people unto the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, Everyone that lappeth up the water with his tongue as a, as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself, likewise every one that boweth down upon his knees to drink. Now, um, this is a very interesting um, comparison or split of the people. But you'll notice that the number of people that lappeth, putting their hand to their mouth, were 300 men, but all the rest bowing down on their knees to drink uh, were the rest. So 300 out of the 10,000 there um, brought their hand to their mouth and were lapping it up like a dog, whereas the rest went on their knees. Um, I'm not 100% sure if it was just a way of splitting the people up or if there was any symbolism there of, you know, the people who were the 300 who were bringing it to their mouth were more upright and more able to look around, perhaps. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. I've heard a couple of quotes that that was perhaps the case, but... All we know is that there was 300 men um, and those were the ones that he he chose to save. It may well be that it just because those were the, the minority and the Lord wanted to have the smallest possible number of people. That is what he went for. So he sends, so Gideon sends 9,700 men away again uh, and he's left with 300. Now, again, running the numbers on this, uh, that means that there is, for every Israelite, there is 400 Midianites. Now, I don't know if you've stood before a group of 400 people. Um, I have before, I guess, um, close, to the, close to that in a, in a state conference before. I mean, it was more at the state conference, but, you know, taking away a couple hundred from a certain area, you've got 400 there. Um, that's a lot of people. <laughs> and certainly in the heat of battle to fight 400 people for each person is unthinkable. Uh, and this is why the Lord uh, was able to be given the honour and glory when indeed uh, Israel did overcome um, these these Midianites. So in verse 12 it says, And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along the valley like grasshoppers for multitude, and their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside for multitude. This is a huge task in front of them. President Thomas S. Monson taught, quote, Sometimes the task appears overwhelming. We can take fresh courage from the experience of Gideon of old, who, with his modest force, was to do battle with the Midianites and Amalekites. You'll remember how Gideon and his army faced an overwhelming strength of forces, vastly superior in equipment and in number. Close quote. The Lord brought strength uh, to Gideon and his, and his people. Um, and there was a... An interesting moment. This is um, this moment or this um, this knowledge of these camels came from uh, Gideon's servants who kind of snuck into the camp of the uh, of the Midianites, and uh, and it says that in verse thirteen, and when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow, and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian, and came unto a tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it, and the tents lay along. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, 
a man of Israel, for into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. So despite, I mean, we don't know if the if the opposite army knew how small a number of people Gideon had, but within their ranks, there was a fear, a fear that the Lord was with Gideon. Um, and that was enough uh, for the Lord to do, to do his work. Uh, and so Gideon took great heart from this and tells his people to take trumpets, um, all 300 of them, um, which when you imagine it, you know, 300 trumpets blowing at once is quite a very loud sound. Uh, and so this is one one thing that they, that they do. But during the night between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m., they would all blow the trumpets and cause this confusion and um, and basically cause them to flee. Um, and this then helps them to have the upper hand. And what a great blessing it was for the, um, the Israelites to have direction uh, about what to do by the Lord and to be shown again that they would receive that comfort and strength in this moment by the Lord. But even with uh, this great miracle and this great blessing that came to Israel, this yoke that they had been able to cast off from them because of the Lord and his intervention for them, um, he, they are free. Gideon refuses to be a king. Um, but then what's interesting is in verses 24 uh, to 27, we read of Gideon saying this, I would desire a request of you that you would give me every man the earrings of his prey. So they basically got this these spoils of war, this gold, um, and he takes the, ear, the earrings, about 43 pounds worth of gold, uh, and he makes an ephod and puts it in his city. And then um, in verse 27 it says, All Israel went thither a-whoring a after it, which thing became a snare unto Gideon and to his house. So again, even though the Lord has just re redeemed and um, delivered the people, um, they then fall quickly uh, into what into what is the problem that is um, worshipping or um, putting other gods before the Lord himself. Um, this ephod uh, is interesting because it's part of the high priest's attire, um, the clothing of the high priest. And so, you know, you would think that it's something, you know, similar to maybe the brazen serpents that represents the Lord and the power that the Lord had with the people um, to overcome the challenges that they faced. But the difference between the brazen serpent that Moses lifted up is, first of all, Gideon, as far as we know, was not um, directed by the Lord to create this golden ephod. Um, and also, um, it's the way about, again, the the, the focus of the worship of the ephod. It, it seems like and sounds like that they praised and that they gave worship to the ephod and the, the fact it was made of gold and the fact that it was this um, place or this focus of worship rather than focusing toward the Lord through the worship of this ephod. Um, and I guess for us, the lesson here is again, you know, when we have successes and victories and um, great blessings in our lives. Again, as we read in the book of Judges uh, constantly, we cannot, we must not return back uh, to the um, the snares or, or the or the the wiles of, of Satan that have been in our lives, because we will then lose those blessings, and again we will be, we will have um, 
perhaps difficulties which will come up because of that. Um, and so this is a great lesson for all of us to learn, is to remember to break that cycle, which is what we learn from this whole book of Judges. But now we'll move into Judges 13 to 16, which is titled as a, a study in the Come Follow Me manual, Strength Comes from Faithfulness to My Covenants with God. And this is all about Samson. Now, Samson is an interesting judge uh, to, to conclude with. And you could probably suggest that he is not the best example. The first chapter, chapter 13, actually deals with the miraculous um, circumstances of, of his birth. Um, the, woman that, the, the woman that would become his mother was barren. Uh, she could not conceive, but um, an angel appears to her and says that if she um, drinks not wine or, or strong drink or eat any unclean thing, that she would bear a son. And this son would live a Nazarite's life. Uh, and what that basically means is that he also would not uh, be able to drink wine or strong drink or eat any unclean thing. And also uh, another part of his um, promises, I suppose, would be that no razor would cut his hair. Um, so this obviously um, is a very strict lifestyle at the time for this new child. But it is what the Lord has asked uh, so that he may retain his strength. And indeed, uh, as this um, as Samson is born and he and he lives and he grows up, it sounds like and it seems that he has indeed incredible strength, strength beyond uh, any one man. Uh, and this is linked to the promises that he was given uh, by his mother that if he lived these things, uh, then he would retain the strength. Now, I mean, as we read through uh, the chapters, uh, we read that Samson doesn't um, do the things that has been asked of him, and he does many more things as well, which would be considered questionable at best. To begin with, uh, in verse uh, 1 and 2 uh, of cha Judges chapter 14, Samson asks his, uh, his parents if he may have their blessing to marry a, Philist a Philistine or Philistine uh, daughter who, of course, uh, is not in the covenant, uh, which is the main worry or concern uh, for this um, for this purpose. Now, as uh, Samson one day is travelling to this, uh, this bride, um, he meets a lion. And in verse 6, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as if he would have rent a kid, and he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or mother what he had done. Um, this is clearly something which um, he knows he probably shouldn't have done. Perhaps he was obviously uh, protecting himself, but why mention the fact that he did not tell his mother or father? The other thing to consider here as well, as we, as we continue through the story of Samson, is that why did the Lord continue to give him this strength, despite the fact that he is clearly willfully uh, going against the, what the Lord has asked in marrying a, a person out of the covenant why does he still have this strength you'll find as we go through the story of samson that despite repeated um frankly <laughs> horrible things that he does um that the lord is still with him in, to some degree and how patient he is with samson samson was quite clearly uh, a potential to be someone who would be symbolic of christ someone who would have great strength and be able to deliver the Midian, uh, the Israelites out of uh, the difficulties they were having at this time now with the Philistines. Um, and yet he did not um, 
live to that um, potential. Uh, and this is something which, you know, for all of us, we, we all have great potential. We all have great promises given to us. I mean, if you have a patriarchal blessing, you only need to read that to see the great blessings and promises given to you personally. It's the same similar same thing with Samson. He was given great promises and blessings um, in the future for him if he lived um, what the Lord desired him to do. And yet, along the way, even though he does many things, the Lord is all, the strength that the Lord has blessed him with is always with him until a certain moment. Uh, and this just shows us how the Lord is willing uh, to be with us and allow us to repent and change uh, before we lose the blessings that have been promised. Um, this, of course, does not mean that we can go throughout our lives thinking, oh, well, well, the Lord will always forgive me. We need to put things in place. We need to make take action. We need to change um, and show sincere, um, a broken heart and a contrite spirit in order to change. Um, but the Lord will be with us as we continue forward. Um, so Samson's story shows us that for one thing, at least. What happens next uh, is one of those moments which you kind of question, you know, why is this person uh, able to have this strength still? Uh, so Samson um, puts a riddle uh, to uh, at this feast, which is to celebrate his, wed uh, his wedding or upcoming wedding to this uh, woman. And Samson says, I'll give you a riddle. Now, I don't know why he does this. There is no clear reason. I think perhaps a sense of egotism or bravado is here. But Samson says, if you can't solve, solve my riddle within seven days, then uh, you've got to give me uh, 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments. Now, for us today, that I mean, first of all, 30 sets of clothes is a quite a large thing today. You know, it's quite significant. However, however, um, you have to remember, and if you remember a number of weeks ago or months ago, we had a study on one of our Monday episodes about this um, in, invitation by the Lord uh, to if someone takes away our, you know, um, our, clo our, clo our cloth that we wear, then give them our cloak also, um, that this was actually a big thing because in the time of Christ, um, people would often only have one change of clothes and one cloak. And so if you were to give the cloak as well, as well as the, the, the shirt off your back, you're basically giving everything, virtually every every item of clothing you own. So for Samson, who of course lived hundreds of years before the Saviour, to say that, you know, if they can't solve his riddle, then they've got to give him 30 um, items of clothing and sheets. This is a huge thing um, from these 30 young Philistines to be asked for. Um Basically, it would obviously be each one of them giving one item, which maybe not be as much, but it is a huge thing that Samson is trying to um, to gain from these Philistines. They can't solve it. So they go to Samson's wife and ask him, uh, her, um, to entice him uh, to tell the answer to her. And they say, lest we burn thee in thy father's house with fire. So this, they give a pretty big... Um, reason for Samson's new wife to as to why. Um, and so his wife persists. Um, she asks, Samson doesn't tell her. And then eventually, um, after persisting further, she gets her, him to reveal the answer, weeping before before him to try and get that from him. Um, they, they tell the answer. Samson is 
enraged. He is so angry. Um, and then in verse 19, and this is a very interesting uh, moment here. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he went down to Ashkelon and slew 30 men of them and took their spoil and gave change of garments unto them, which expounded the riddle. And his anger was kindled, and he went up uh, to his father's house. But Samson's wife was given to his companion, whom he had used as his friend. Now, this is where the story gets very, very difficult, because Samson, with the strength that the Lord has given him, goes to a, to a place, kills 30 people, gets their garments as kind of the payment for his side, because he did say that if they solved the riddle, then he would give them 30 items of clothing or garments. He slays 30 people, takes their clothing and gives that clothing to those people, which, I mean, obviously throws huge question marks over Samson's character. And then we go to the next verse and his wife has been given to someone else. <laughs> and you're just getting to this moment in the story and thinking, what is going on? <laughs> what what are we to learn from this? From this? Um, believe me, there will be many things we can learn from this story. In fact, there already has been. The fact that the Lord is so patient with us, despite the um, difficult things that we have in our lives, um, he will always be with us. And one other thing that I learned from this is that whilst I have my difficulties and things I'm trying to overcome, at least I'm not um, doing what Samson is doing here. Um, and I suppose, you know, we are not meant to compare, but that is also quite a comforting thing to know that the Lord will be with us um, with a vast number of things that we can go wrong in our lives. He will be with us uh, as he was with Samson uh, up until a certain point, of course, which we will discuss later on uh, tomorrow. So thank you so much for listening today. A lot to cover there, but I'm glad that we have been able to do so. And I um, look forward to sharing a further discussion with you tomorrow uh, about the about the end of Samson's story. So please do join us uh, then and uh, until we meet again.